Welcome to Tales from Avastrum, Titan's Vengeance. Episode 5 It was early morning. Alator Boudreau was in his office, leaning back in the green leather chair at his desk, eyes closed. A brisk knock came on the door, and another. The door opened a crack, and Reginald Kenton's head poked into the room. Sir? Reginald came in, and stood next to the deputy headmaster, who did not react. Ahem! Sir! Are you awake? Without moving, Alator sighed. Just rest in my eyes, Reggie. What'd you need? Evie Bradford has arrived. Would you like me to show her into your office? Alator's eyes snapped open. He hadn't slept at all over the night, and in the midst of the clutter of his own thoughts, entirely forgot that they were expecting a guest. Oh. Oh, Lord. Um, thank you for letting me know, Reggie. Uh, please, ask her to meet me in the Great Hall, and ask the remaining faculty and student leaders to join us as well at their earliest convenience. Reginald nodded and walked swiftly out of the room. Alator rubbed his eyes while walking to the small mirror in the corner. He straightened his collar and brushed the back of his hand over the stubble on his cheek. You need a shave, Boudreaux. He turned and walked out of the room instead, making his trek to meet the others in the Great Hall. Despite his exhaustion, as he approached, seeing Evie Bradford with Shadow Wiseacre, Jasper Glass, and Jeline Latrova caused the corners of his lips to tilt into a small smile. It felt like only yesterday when they were all students together. Even now, he could still picture them running through the halls in excitement to see who was in the lead for House Cup. Professor Boudreaux, it's so good to see you, Evie said warmly, seeing Alator approach. In school, Evie had been a quiet, somewhat eccentric child, Blazingly intelligent, she excelled in her studies, leading many to think the Great Eagle had made its first ever mistake in not placing her in enigmas. After graduation, she'd gained some celebrity for her writings about her sometimes dangerous studies and experiments, which had proved why she had been a parador. Alator accepted her outstretched hand and shook it. Please, call me Alator. Oh, it's great to see you too, Evie. I, I appreciate you coming on such short notice. As they spoke, the rest of the faculty and student leaders that were currently at the school filed into the Great Hall. Oh, wow. A welcoming committee just for me? Well, not quite. Oh, my Merlin! Gwen DeGrance's voice boomed through the hall as she excitedly bounded towards Evie, eyes wide as saucers. Evie Bradford! I have all of your astronomy books. My, my, my friend, my friend, Ellie and I are obsessed with your work. Oh, um, thank you. I don't want to bother you, but I do happen to have one of your books here in my bag. Uh, would you mind? Evie chuckled as Gwen took the book out of her bag and offered it to her. It would be my pleasure. Evie took out a quill, signed the inside corner of Gwen's book, and handed it back to her. Gwen clutched the book to her chest with reverence and mouths a very heartful thank you to Evie, 
before Alator cleared his throat. <clears> throat. Gwen looked at the deputy headmaster, mouthed a silent sorry, and joined the others who had finished filing in. Alator pulled a small piece of parchment out of his pocket. Y'all are likely wondering why I've called you here. Well, I've got some news, directly from Clark. Finally! I'm surprised it took this long to find something from him. Trent Vortigern doffed his bowler hat and tucked it under his arm. Marvelous! What did he say? To stop looking for him. A shocked silence washed over the group, and Alator passed around the note that read, Please, give up. Stop looking. Clark. The hush continued until Jasper finally broke it. No way. How do we even know that this is from him? Anastasia Boudreaux stepped forward. Alator came to get Jolene and myself last night after he found the letter. He pieced together some hints Clark had left us. Jolene and I have been trying to decipher them for a few days now, assuming they were more instructions to where and when he was. Turns out we were looking at it all wrong. And just to be extra cautious, we cross-reference the writing. It's his. So, as happy as I am that you're on Abstrom's halls once more, Evie, I'm afraid we may not be able to use your skills after all. So, you're just taking the headmaster's advice? E.J. Bumble raised his hand. Well, surely not, right? Oh. Clark's note could mean we're facing more dangers than we thought, said Scorpio Douglas. Maldraco Devante shrugged. There's also not much more we can do. The time chamber is currently non-existent. I looked at the device. Granted, I am not as familiar with such devices as our Miss Bradford here, but the damage to it seemed very intentional. So, does that mean that something or someone was really trying to stop us from going after Clark? Potentially. That being said, there isn't a way we can't ensure it won't happen again. Not necessarily. I would need to look at it before I could promise anything, but there are ways you can protect time devices from interference originating from other points in time. It's complicated to explain. And you're an astronomer. Evie gave Jolene a smile. I studied a lot of things before I found my passion for astronomy. One of my studies revolved around a branch of alchemy relating to immortality. More accurately, not becoming a victim to time. And so came my studies of, well, time itself. Trent's head swiveled towards Evie. Really? Absolutely fascinating. I'd love to talk more with you on that subject. Absolutely. So, wait, Evie. Are you saying we genuinely have a chance of fixing the time chamber and still finding Clark? Again, I can't make any promises. But yes, there is a chance. Professor? Shadow prompted watching Alator stroke his beard. He looked at her, but didn't respond yet, obviously still mulling things over in his head. I'm not giving up on him. We can't give up on him, not now. If we have a chance, we have to keep trying. He would do the same for any of us. We also have to consider why he would ask us to stop. Clark would have his reasons. He would, but that doesn't mean they're the right reasons. Maybe he's somehow seen the effort and the time and the pain we've all been through trying to find him and he just feels guilty. If he thinks we can't find him, of course he's going to play the hero and sacrifice himself. His note didn't come off like he believed we couldn't find him. 
She's right. His wording made it seem like he wanted to make sure we didn't find him. Not that he believed we couldn't. So what, are we just gonna stand around and do nothing? Oh, here we go. We at least need to take a bit of time to consider that option now, Jasper. Especially since we don't know why he sent the letter. He wouldn't waste the time considering if it were any of us. It would be wise to at least be more cautious. Jasper opened his mouth to argue further, but Alator cleared his throat, pausing the head boy. Whatever the reason, I agree with Jasper. We aren't giving up on him. The group looked taken aback, but Jasper straightened, giving a nod of agreement. Shadow gave a concerned look to Jolene and Anastasia. Professor, are you sure about this? I am. We have to find him, and we will. That is, if you're still willing to help us out, Evie? I came here for a reason. Wonderful. Can you start now? Evie smirked at Alator and grabbed her bags off the ground. Lead the way. Craven Bloodthorn, Polonius Aberfoyle, and Ellie Bumble sat around the small table in the corner of Craven's office at Timbernack, the scythe of Kronos laid across it in front of them. Dozens of candles flickered in various sconces around the room. As the sun descended toward the horizon outside his office window, Craven spoke. All right, it's time to begin. Are you sure about this, Craven? I don't know how I feel about this. Well, we've already tried pyromancy, geomancy, psychoscopy, and bibliomancy. We tried oneromancy this morning, based on our dreams from last night, and... Nothing. Unless you want to slaughter a pig and burn its entrails to try augury, this is what we have left. But a seance? The clerk isn't dead, he's lost in time. In his own personal timeline, he isn't. But, relative to the present day, he presumably is. We need to begin now. Twilight is when the boundaries between worlds is thinnest. The three joined hands, and Craven began to encant. We call out to the spirits of the beyond. Spirits, hear us! Pierce the veil and bring us the one we seek. We wish to commune with Clark Xavier Dowling. Suddenly, the windows of Craven's office banged open and a fierce wind blew in. Half the candles were extinguished, but Craven was undeterred. Hear us, spirits! Connect us to the spirit of Clark Dowling! As the sun continued to dip below the horizon, the wind picked up in strength and the remaining candles guttered out. All of a sudden, Ellie stood up with a start, so quickly that her chair clattered backwards to the floor. The chamber! It's open again! Ellie rushed to the fireplace and disappeared into the green flame so quickly that Craven didn't have time to speak. He started after her, then turned as he heard a throaty rasp from Polonius. Craven! Despite the ghostly twilight, Craven could see that Polonius's eyes had gone milky white in the throes of a trance. Then, without warning, he tumbled sideways out of his chair and began shaking violently.
Did you know that some plants are, for lack of a better term, empathic? So much so, I think, our venomous tentacula is too depressed to even try and come at us. Audrey Desiran said this as she and Storm Scovesgard worked on tending the poisonous section of her garden. Sure enough, the tentacula was drooping, its tentacles lying limp along the ground. She looked over at her young protege, whose body language was the mirror image of the plant. Since he had arrived three days prior, it had been impossible not to notice the dark cloud hanging over Storm. What? Oh. I'm sorry. Is the Clark situation getting to you? It's difficult not to be doing... I don't know. Something. But? But? I suppose there is more on my mind than just that. Do tell. She had been waiting for just the right opportunity to finally coax him to speak. Storm paused, unsure how to broach the subject. Well, have you ever had a friend who meant the world to you? Storm absentmindedly busied himself with a plant as he spoke. And then time goes on. You realize you, I don't know, feel more for them than you thought? But you grew up with them and, well, what are you supposed to do? A soft, sweet smile curled on Audrey's lips. I know that situation quite well, actually. Storm suddenly dropped the trowel in his hand to look at Audrey with surprise. Really? You? Yes. Definitely. Suddenly the dusk grew much darker and the wind began picking up. A rumble of thunder started off in the distance. Oh dear. Help me get the tarps over the flower beds, will you? As they started to cover the delicate asphodel beds, Storm prompted her to continue. So? Well, we grew up together, went to school together, we were great friends, and the crazy thing? We only recently admitted these feelings from when we were just kids to each other. And what happened? We haven't even had the chance to talk through all of it yet. But honestly, I don't know what is in store for us. We took many years to figure this out, which means there is a lot of the past and the present to catch up on. Do you regret not talking about these feelings earlier? As happy as I am with my life now, and our friendship, there is, of course, a part of me that will always wonder what might have been. So while I don't regret it, I will also never know where it could have led. A few more moments passed as the two worked quietly, spreading out the tarps before Audrey looked Storm in the eyes. I don't like giving advice that isn't wanted, but if you really do care for this person, and you want to know what could happen, do something about it. Storm nodded, grateful for the advice. A few minutes passed, and then they saw Craven and Polonius emerge from the school and into the gardens. Craven held the scythe of Kronos. 
Polonius's face was pale, and he walked stiffly, resting a hand on Craven's shoulder for support. Craven clearly didn't appreciate the contact. Cass! She rushed then and put a hand around his waist for support. Polonius smiled wanly at her. I think I'm going to have to take a rain check for dinner, Audrey. Never mind that. Are you okay? There's no time to explain. We need to get back to Avastrum right away. There isn't a moment to lose. Let's go. They headed back into the school, Audrey now supporting Polonius as he regained his feet. Storm noticed that while she kept one hand supporting his weight at the elbow, the other hand laced fingers with his. Storm smiled, realizing whom she had been speaking about a few minutes before. They arrived in the main hall. Craven reached into the pouch at his belt for a pinch of flu powder. He tossed it into the roaring fire, and as it turned green, he said, Avistrum! and stepped into the flames, disappearing in a swirl of smoke. Cass, what's going on? We have to hurry. Our attempt to communicate with Clark succeeded, but it's so much worse than we realized. Ellie left before we made contact, so she doesn't know. We have to get back before she convinces Alator to do something incredibly dangerous. He locked eyes with her, and Storm had never seen the Professor look more serious. It could be the end of everything. The narrator is played by Stephanie Prue. Reginald Kinton is played by Matthew Bianchi. Alatoa Boudreaux is played by Cody Miller. Evie Bradford is played by Elizabeth Huntinghig. Gwendolyn DeGrance is played by Sarah Jenkins. Jasper Glass is played by Jesse Davis. Trent Vortigern is played by Eddie Detlux. Anastasia Boudreaux is played by Rachel Finley. Jolene Latrova is played by Jolene Freskis. EJ Bumble is played by Lainey Flanagan. Scorpio, played by Mike Atchley. Maldreco Devante is played by Matt Sumter. Shadow Weisiger is played by Haley Munoz. Cristala Coles is played by Krista Colasar. Craven Bloodthorn is played by Joshua Thomas. Polonius Aberfoyle is played by Chad Patton. Ellie Bumble is played by J.D. Rose. Audrey Trouble Desirand is played by Susan Thomas. Storm Scovesguard, played by Stormy Cohn. There are three paths presented to you. The blue flame has the great risk, correct? Are you sure, Sophie? I foresee a path you can understand, let alone tread, but you will have to walk yourself. I am no stranger to being alone. I... I know it better than anything else. Ambush! Vix left a note saying they were going to explore and... We're all intense. I should have you exiled. They are with us now. The sunless. (laughs) This is blood. Are your minds made up too? 
and step into the room behind me, adventurous. I wish you find what you seek and can heal your world. Dice Tower Theater, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Join us next time for the final episode of Tales from Avastrum, Titan's Vengeance. For more info, please visit our website at www.avastrum.org, visit our Facebook page, or search for Avastrum on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stand tall and raise your wands high. <laughs>